It's harder than it looks, folks. Y'all think? It must be. I heard that. Wow. Well, let's just close our Bibles up. We'll call it. Amen. Amen. Take your... Uh, Take your Bibles, turn to the book of Isaiah chapter 1, and in your other hand, take Acts chapter 24. You know, as much as I dish it out, I ought to take it a little bit. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 1. Just uh, something I've been kind of thinking on this week. That kind of stands out to me in the, the text. And I just pray the Lord to maybe show you some things as He's kind of showed me a few things this week. Isaiah chapter 1. We'll pick it up in verse 16. The Bible says, Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you... Be willing and obedient, ye shall eat the good of the land. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with a sword. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Uh, Brother Rod, will you ask the Lord to bless the evening? Father God, I pray that you open your word to us, Father. I pray that you give Brother Barney the words that you want spoken, Father. Give us ears to hear. Lord, let us be mindful of the upcoming events in the church, Father, the revival. Amen. What I'd like to preach about tonight, I pick it up in verse 18 again, where it says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. I just want to preach about reasoning with God. Uh, the God we serve, He's a reasonable God. Is it, is it fair to say that God is reasonable? He is. Now also, if you would turn with me over to the book of Acts, and we'll set this thing up, Acts chapter 24. Look at verse, picking it up in verse 10. Then Paul, after that the governor had beckoned unto him, that's Acts 24, verse 10, uh, beckoned unto him to speak, answered, For as much as I know that thou hast been of many years a judge unto this nation, I do uh, the more cheerfully answer for myself, because that thou mayest understand that there are yet but twelve days since I went up to Jerusalem for to worship. And they neither found me in the temple disputing with any man, neither raising up the people, neither in the synagogue, nor in any city. So we see right, right here that Paul is accused before Felix, and this is what you're about to see here, and that um, Paul is brought forth and he's uh, uh, giving a defense for his life and the doctrine in which he has been presenting. And we take it over here, look down at verse, um, 
Oh, verse 21, except it be for this one voice that I cry standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of the way, he deferred them and said, when Lysaurus, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. And he commanded a certain satyrian to keep Paul and to let him have liberty, and that he should forbid none of his acquaintance to minister or come unto him. And after certain days when Felix came and his wife Drusilla, which was a uh, Jewess, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time when I have a convenient season I will call for thee. And the Bible says in verse 26, And he hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might loose him. Wherefore he sent for him uh, the offer and communed with him. You know, like I said a moment ago, I think it's fair to say that the God that we serve is a reasonable God. God is reasonable. There's nothing really unreasonable about him at all. Uh, the, The only time a person can say a God is unreasonable is coming from an unreasonable individual. You are an unreasonable, unreasonable person by nature in your flesh, in the carnal. Uh, you tend to be unreasonable when it comes to spiritual things, being fleshly minded. Uh, that's why the Bible says you're supposed to be spiritually minded. Uh, you know, other religions like the Muslim faith or Hindus or even modern Jewish people and so on, uh, They don't have an accessible Savior that they have fellowship with as we do. We claim to have fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I have fellowship with Him. I know Him. I know the Father, and the Father knows me. And I speak to Him as a Father, and He speaks to me as a Son. Other faiths, they don't have that. So when we're talking about uh, having a a reasonable relationship with the Lord, it's because we know Him personally. You know the Lord. And God, He's reasonable. He's reasonable. Uh, over there in Isaiah 1, we see and hear the Lord say, He says, Come, let us reason together. The Lord desires to reason with you. Now, very often people say, Well, I haven't had very much uh, fellowship with the Lord. You know, me and the Lord aren't as tight as we used to be. Uh, I'm not in church like I'm supposed to be. I'm not reading my Bible like I should be. You are an unreasonable individual. Why? Because God is reasonable. It's not on His part, it's on your account. You understand? Now, over there dealing with Felix, the issue of the trembling that Felix felt is understandable because of the unreasonableness of two things that deal with Felix. It said there in the text that his wife, she was a, a, a Jewess. She was Jewish. She was a Jew woman. Which would mean uh, if he converted to Christ under Paul, he would have some trouble in the home life at home, Right? You understand? There'll be some issues at home. He says, well, if I believe what he says, I want to have trouble with her. He was being unreasonable. Unreasonable. What another thing, his interest had a financial strings to it. There in verse 26 in Acts, it talks about he would have taken some money from Paul. He would have received some money. Well, if I'm going to listen to you, if I'm going to hear this, I'll you know, have, have my pocket filled. 
What was he? He was an unreasonable man. Unreasonable. Felix, what was he? He was selfish. He was ignorant. He was prideful. He was evil. You know what they are? They're common traits of an unreasonable person. Have you ever dealt with an unreasonable person? A person that's just unreasonable? You can't reason with them. You can't explain something to them. We've recently had uh, two ladies that were fired from my uh, place of employment over um, arguing with each other and shoving each other. And it's a funny, it's kind of a funny deal, kind of comical in a way. And I had a run in with one of these ladies. It was a, a, a few months ago. And she had run-ins with a lot of people there at work. And my job, you know, my job is to go around and do line inspections, and I check things out, make sure people are doing things the right way, check out paperwork. And when I came across where she was working, she had only been working there for about a year, I noticed she was doing something wrong. Every hour, you're supposed to sit out a sample that represents that hour of production. Well, she was taking a bunch of samples down so she can already have her samples basically done for the day. <laughs> I said, well, that's not right. I said, you can't have your 10 o'clock sample sitting here if you're still running your 8 o'clock production. I know that might not make sense to a lot of people, but I was explaining that to her. And I said, well, you, you just can't do that. She said, well, everybody does that. I said, well, if everybody's doing that, they're doing it wrong because that's not right. She said, well, my supervisor told me to do that. I said, I don't think your supervisor would say that, but if he said that, he's wrong. And this, there's a proper way to do things, and that's not the proper way to do it. And man, she was just became very unreasonable. It was, it was something in her. She was prideful. Someone was telling her, you're wrong, and no. Do you know what? Sometimes the Lord looks you right in the eye and says, you're wrong, and no, and you become unreasonable. D don't you know a child? A child can be very unreasonable. I want another cookie. No. Why? I want another cookie. They're eating a cookie. You already have a cookie. We was over at Grandma's this afternoon. Bradley's walking around with two balloons. Levi has one balloon. Levi goes over and takes one of Bradley's balloons. I said, son, what are you doing? He said, well, he has two balloons. I said, now you have two balloons. So I took one of the balloons back. I said, he had that balloon first. And I said, son, come here a minute. He said, okay, he had his balloon in his hand. I took the balloon away. I said, I didn't have any balloons. Now I have one balloon. He says, but I don't have a balloon. I said, you understand? And he said, I wanted two balloons. I said, son, you're being unreasonable. You know, that that's a childish illustration, but that's how you are. Lord, they have. I don't have. I want. The Lord says, be content with which, that which I've given you. But they have. I want. You understand? You can be very unreasonable yourself with God. Are you an unreasonable Christian? There's plenty of them. There's plenty of them. Uh, <laughs> the carnal man, he's very unreasonable. Let's look at a few places. Look over at Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse 5. Now these are the Lord's disciples we're looking at here. Matthew chapter 16, picking it up in verse 5. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves. 
It is because we have taken no bread, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves, because ye have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets ye took up? How is it that ye do not understand that I spake it unto you concerning bread, and you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Lord said, hey, why are you reasoning among yourselves? Uh, you know what, an unreasonable person, they're, they're very selfishly conceited. Everything is about them. Every scenario has them as the title, them as the headline. They're in the middle of everything, and everything someone says is about them, and they're talking about me. And, and this scenario had nothing to do with them. The Lord says, why are you reasoning among yourselves? Because you have not taken bread. He says, I'm giving you a warning here of being, uh, be aware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Uh, you know what? Some people got to be the corpse at every funeral and the bride at every wedding. Everything surrounds them. What is that? That's an unreasonable person. Dealing with a person that's very selfish, very conceited, considering themselves continually, they become very unreasonable. It's hard to reason with someone who's continually considering themselves. Is that you? Is that you? Are you unreasonable? How about this one? Turn over to Mark chapter 2. We'll look at someone who's willfully ignorant. Mark chapter 2. Pick it up in verse 1. And again he entered into Capernaum about uh, after some days, and it was noise that he was in the house. And straight away many had gathered together, insomuch that there was no room to receive them, no, not so much as about the door. And he preached the word unto them, and they come unto him, bring, uh, one sick of the palsy, which was born of four. And when they could not come nigh the door for the press, they uncovered the roof where he was. And when they had broken it up, they let down the bed wherein the sick of palsy lay. And Jesus saw their faith. He said unto the sick of palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. But there was a certain of the scribes sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why doth this man speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say to the sick of palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk. But, they, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. He saith to the sick of palsy, Take up. Uh, he, he told him to, uh, Sick of palsy, I say to thee, Rise, take up thy bed, and go thy way into thy house. And immediately he rose. You know, it's an amazing thing to me what the Lord is doing here. And here comes this bed down through the ceiling. And it's obviously that there's an individual on there who has a great sickness. And the Lord uh, is about to do a, an amazing thing. And the Lord says, thy sins be forgiven thee. And all they can focus on is not the miracle, the amazing thing that the Lord is about to do here. They're focused on what He says here. Well, He speaks blasphemies. Who can forgive sins? They totally dismiss what the Lord is doing. What is that? That's willful, willful ignorance of an unreasonable individual. 
They totally dismiss uh, the amazing thing that's going on. Do you know what Christians are doing in this church? They will totally dismiss the amazing things the Lord is doing in this church because of something someone said. Because someone hurt their feelings. Someone didn't involve me. Someone didn't ask me. Unreasonable. Totally dismiss the amazing thing the Lord is doing. Did you hear what they said? Did you hear what he, did you just hear what they said? Well, someone just got saved in service today. That's nothing, but did you hear what she said? And that's that's the highlight of your Sunday? What someone said? Someone hurt your feelings? Unreasonable. Are you unreasonable? What is an unreasonable person? They're pridefully exalted. Look over at Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. You know, we've said it a lot, but it's something, you know, you ever heard that saying growing up, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me? Man, don't you wish that was true? Some of you, sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will just rattle your cage, break you to pieces. You're just like porcelain dropping on a concrete floor. Luke chapter 9, look at verse 43. And they were all amazed at the mighty power of God, but while they wandered every one at the things which Jesus did, they said unto his disciples, Let these sayings sink down into your ears, for the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the hands of men. But they understood not the saying, and it was hid from them that they perceived it not, and they feared to ask him the saying. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be the greatest? And Jesus, perceiving the thought in their heart, took a child and set him by him, and said unto them, Whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me, receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you, the same shall be great. All that's going on in these hours with the Lord, and the Lord revealing himself unto them, and the things that which must come to pass, the reasoning of the heart, that prideful exaltation of self, that unreasonableness in man, sitting there devising in his own heart, I want to be the greatest. I want to be best. I shall be like the Most High. I shall ascend the sides of the north. Who's that? That's Isaiah 14. There's someone else who had that desire of being exalted. That was the devil. What was that? That's the speech of an unreasonable man. Unreasonable. Are you unreasonable? Do you have to get the spotlight? Do you have to get the highlight? Do you have to be seen? Do you have to be heard? Does your opinion, everybody's going to want to know what I think about this, so I'm going to have to post it. I better not forget to post it. You know what? You could really probably desire, know, know what your opinion's worth by. How many people call you up and ask you for your opinion? So, what makes you think posting it on Facebook means something? I'm serious. 
Has somebody called you up today and asked you for your opinion? Then why are you posting your opinions on Facebook? Nobody wants to hear it. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm, I might be by myself here tonight. Let me drink another drink of water. <laughs> Woo! What were they? They were unreasonable. Here's one more. Uh, an unreasonable individual. What are they? Uh, they're deceitfully evil. Deceitfully evil. Look over at Luke chapter 20. Man, this is the introduction. I'm going to have to go an hour and a half tonight. I'm, don't get your hopes up, preacher. I'm not. I'm, I'm trying to watch it. I'm making sure I don't go over farther than the preacher generally does. Or I'll get in. I'll, yeah. Luke chapter 20. Pick it up in verse 9. Then began he to uh, spake to the people this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard and led it forth to husbandmen and went into a far country for a long time. And at the season he sent a servant to his husbandmen and they should give him of the fruit of the vineyard. But the husbandmen beat him and sent him away empty. And again sent another servant. And they beat him also and entreated him shamefully and sent him away empty. And again he sent a third and they wounded him also and cast him out. Verse 13, Then said the Lord of his vineyard, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. It may be that they will uh, reverence him when they see him. Verse 14, But when the husbandmen saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir, come let us kill him that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him, and therefore shall the Lord of the vineyard do unto them. He shall come and destroy these husbandmen, and shall give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, God forbid. Uh, what was that? That was deceitfully evil. An unreasonable man or an unreasonable woman, they will do anything to get what they want. They'll do anything to get what they want. They're unreasonable. Are you unreasonable? Can you be reasoned with? God has been and is willing to be reasonable with you. Are you a reasonable Christian? Can you be reasoned with? Can you sit and reason with God? Can you sit and reason with God's people? Now, Paul said three things over in the book of Acts, chapter 24. That stood out to me, and I just want to mention on those three things here tonight. We'll go to the house. Acts chapter 24, there in verse 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled. Uh, our God, He is reasonable. He is reasonable. So tonight I just want to look at three simple things, and we won't take real long, but I want to look at them uh, uh, about God's reasonableness. The first one I want to look at is God is reasonable when it comes to righteousness. He's reasonable when it comes to righteousness. Let's look back at Isaiah chapter 1 again. I know I got, got you turned into a lot of places here tonight. 
And I think it's good for you to look at these things. Isaiah chapter 1, there in verse 16, where it says, Wash you, make you clean, put away evil of your doings from before mine eyes, cease to do evil. Look at verse 18. It says, Come now, let us reason together. You know what the Lord says there? It's reasonable. It's reasonable. Um... When it comes to God's righteousness, it's reasonable for you to take God's righteousness. Our God is reasonable, but unwavering when it comes to His righteousness. He's unwavering. There in verse 16, it says, wash you, make you clean. Do you know what that implies? When the Lord says, wash you, make you clean, it implies you're dirty. It implies filth. This morning, I was with the kids in... uh, uh, Sunday school in there and something got to stinking real bad and I thought man one of these teenage kids didn't put on no deodorant or something it just smells horrible and I kind of smelled myself to see if it was me and I thought man it must be me because it smells worse closer to me and finally once junior church was over I realized what it was when we first came into junior church one of the kids says hey there's two socks here under the table I said oh those must be Bradley so I took the socks and I put them in my pocket and boy, let me tell you, man, it will keep you awake. It was bad. It was so bad. You know, guys, ladies are different. Ladies say, oh, that smells horrible. Just put that away. Throw it away. Get rid of it. Guys, we're not. We're like, hey, man, you got to smell this. It is bad. <laughs> That's how we are. And I passed that sock over to James. He said, "Woo, that was horrible. I said, yeah, that's dirty. I said, that's from sweat. That's from walking around, picking up dirt off the ground in these socks. These are some dirty socks. I don't, I don't know what I've done with them socks. I've stuck them somewhere. <laughs> I think in my wife's coat pocket or something. She'll find them. But you know what? Uh, when the Lord says, wash you, make you clean, it's the implication there that you're dirty. That you're dirty. Uh, I remember, and I've given this illustration before at Walmart with a friend of mine, and we were passing out some gospel tracks, and the... And, um, the gospel track on the front of it, it was a chick track. It said, I think it said fear God or fear something on it. And I, I went to hand it to a lady and she was a well-kept uh, lady, real nice dressed. And, and she kind of turned her nose up to me. She says, fear God. She said, fear God. And I had just been reading my Bible just the, that day or the night before. And it was Psalms 19 verse 9. And I had kind of memorized it from my Bible reading that day. And it says, the fear of the Lord is clean. And I says, well, ma'am, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is clean. I said, the reason you don't fear God is because you're dirty. And boy, that went over well. (laughs) Talking about I got hit right between the eyes with a gospel track. Do you know what? You're dirty. And that's something you got to admit. When you come to the Lord, when you deal with the Lord, you got to deal with your dirt. If you don't remember, maybe uh, just refresh your memory over in Judges chapter 3. this uh, young man Ehud takes a gift to the king of Moab. At that time, Moab, the the, uh, the children of Israel were doing wrong before God, and the Lord strengthened the Moab and the king before Israel. And uh, the the children of Israel cried before the Lord, and the Lord sent this young man to the chamber of this this king of Moab, and he brought him a gift. <laughs> If you remember what the gift was, it was a dagger of about a cubit's length. And he goes in and he stabs them. And what does the Bible say comes out? Dirt. Dirt comes out. Uh, that's a good picture of what's in you is dirt. 
Uh, it will do you some good to impel yourself daily with the Word of God. Why? Because you're full of dirt. Do you hear me? It would be good for some dirt to come out of you. It is reasonable for God to let you know that you're dirty and in need of His righteousness. People don't want to hear that. People don't want to hear that they're dirty. Look over at Job chapter 9. It's one of my favorite passages there. Job chapter 9. Pick it up in verse 1. Then Job answered and said, I know it is of a truth, but how shall a man be just with God? That's a really good question. If he will contend with him, he cannot answer him one of a thousand. Now look over at verse 30. It says, Job speaking, he says, If I wash myself with snow water and make my hands never so clean, yet shalt thou plunge me in the ditch, and mine own clothes shall abhor me. For he is not a man, as I am, that I should answer him, and we should come together in judgment. You know, I think God listened that day. <laughs> God says, uh, I'm sending a man. I'm sending a man. I'm sending myself, a mediator. I'm sending one. But ain't it an interesting thing there that Job says? Job says, if I wash myself with snow water. And what did the Bible, what did, uh, uh, the Bible have to say about Job? That he was a perfect, in verse 1 of Job chapter 1, it says, he was a perfect and upright and one who feared God and eschewed evil. And what did he say about himself? He says, if I wash myself with snow water, he says, yet without plunge me in a ditch. <laughs> you know what? It doesn't take you long to stand before God and listen to God's word and deal with the Lord, the Almighty, and you find out that you're dirty. Do you understand? This Bible is like a mirror, and it reveals yourself to you. You ever get up and look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, good night, nurse. You know, and I... I <laughs> I could sit there and wash my face and clean myself up and look up and say, man, I can't wash that ugly off for nothing. And I just try again, you know, and you can wash all you want to. You're still dirty. You know what? That's the problem with modern Christianity is the refusal to hear sound doctrine. Because in being enlightened by sound doctrine, you're going to have to come to the realization there is something wrong with you. And that it needs to be addressed. And that's why, you know, the preacher, he really picked on some folks this morning. Joyce Meyer and, and Joel Osteen, you know, and really, really gave them a hard time. But, you know, they stand there and they won't let you know that you're dirty before God and you better do something about it because you're filthy. You're like some old stinking socks. You hear what I'm saying? God is reasonable when it comes to His righteousness. What does He say? He says, come, let us reason together. That's reasonable. That's reasonable. He says, you're dirty, but He says, come here and let's wash up. Let's do something about it. He doesn't just leave you to yourself. Isn't that reasonable? So for you not to come to Him, that makes you unreasonable. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness, to everyone that believeth. It's reasonable for you to take His righteousness. Uh, the problem is that His righteousness is a reflection on your unrighteousness. You understand? 
when a person is faced with this book, they're faced with the fact of who and what they are. A person that rejects the light of this book is an unreasonable individual. But you know, that goes not only for lost people, that goes for saved people. The problem isn't the lost people not reading the Bible. The problem is you. The scriptures was given to you that you may grow. Paul says, these things have I written unto you. He's written them to the church. He's written it to you. Our problem isn't the lost not reading the Bible. The problem is the saved. You're unreasonable in your Bible reading. You're unreasonable in your prayer life. And the Lord says, come. You hear what I'm saying? The Lord's reasonable. I was witnessing to a group of uh, college kids one night. We were passing out some gospel tracts, and there was some kids, and I'm pretty sure they were from Germany. Maybe they were foreign exchange students. They were pretty young. I was about the same age as them, probably when I was witnessing to them. I uh, might have been a little bit older. And they could not understand the fact that their righteousness was not as good as Christ's righteousness. And I stood there and talked till I was blue in the face. I said, you're a sinner. Well, I'm not, I don't think I'm a sinner. And finally it came down to it. A girl's like, well, I don't see how his righteousness is even more better than mine. And that's about where the conversation ended. Uh, the young college students walked off feeling like they're, they're, they're fine with facing a righteous judge with their own righteousness. Because there's not as bad as others. They're unreasonable. Unreasonable. God is reasonable when it comes to temperance. Let's look back in Isaiah chapter 1 there. Look at verse uh, 17. Isaiah chapter 1, the Bible says, Learn to do well, seek judgment, relieve the oppressed, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow. The Lord's given you some things there that you can do. Verse 18, he says, Come now, let us reason together. You know, the Bible says one of the fruits of the Spirit there is temperance. Now, what is temperance? It's moderation in regard to indulgence. Is to be balanced without device, not controlled by device, not overpowered by things uh, unseemly or sometimes things that uh, there's. I've, I've met many a Christian that get wrapped up in conspiracy theories when it comes to the Bible, and they're so way off here that they're not temperate. They're unbalanced. Do you understand what I'm saying? A balanced Christian is a temperate Christian. The Lord has made us free. And that's one thing I want to say, uh, being temperate, being balanced. Uh, the Lord has made us free, but you've got to be careful that, and you understand that the liberty in which the Lord gives you is liberty to do right. The Lord has made you free. According to uh, Galatians chapter 5.13, or excuse me, Galatians 5.1, the Bible says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again into the yoke of bondage. And that's the yoke of the law, and those are the commandments, things that are weighty upon you that you cannot uplift and hold yourself. But you know what? Even if a person takes off that yoke of bondage of the law and they put on the law, that, that, that yoke of grace and mercy of the Lord, they tend to fall back into bondage of an imbalanced Christian life. I think one of the primary reasons for Christians to be 
on the outs with God's people in the church is their lack of a balanced, temperate life. They're unbalanced. They get hurt feelings. Their pride gets in the way. You know, I think sometimes our group that we're in of Bible believers, uh, uh, we're a group of extremists. We really are. We're called extremists. But I don't think we live up to the definition of which they say we are. I think we're extremists in different ways. I think we're extremely offended. I think we're extremely gossipy. I think we're extremely sensitive. I think we're extremely bullheaded. I think we're extremely prideful. I think we're extremely argumentative. I think we're extremely angry. I think we're extremely wrong. You hear me? Which makes us extremely weak and we fall prey to the devil's devices. Now how does one become temperate? Now the Bible says the Lord has bought you with a price. Has he not? You belong to him, right? You're his property. I mean, I'm talking straight to you. Or you're his. It's a fair deal, right? It's a reasonable thing to say that you belong to him, right? Look at Romans chapter 12. And this is a very familiar passage. Most of you can quote it without looking at it. Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. Paul's saying, I beseech you. He's begging you. I'm reaching out to you. I'm begging you here. I'm... I'm, I'm I'm asking of you, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, this is Romans chapter 12, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. After a person gets saved, it is reasonable for them to give themselves over to God. Why? Because He has bought you with a price. That's reasonable. Verse 2, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Is reasonable. Well, how does one become temperate? How does one become balanced? Your focus is on Him. Now, I've given that illustration a million times where you see the Amish and they got the, the, the buggy going, the cart going, and they got a horse out there in front, and uh, sometimes there's two of them, and they got the little blinders on. Now, why are those blinders there? They keep them from getting distracted or something scares them or spooks them off to the side and it tunnels in on their vision where they see what's ahead of them. You know what your problem is? You're unreasonable. You got to know what's going on over here, what's going on over here, and your focus is like this. You know, a horse's focus, it can see almost clear behind them, standing in a field. The Lord designed that beast where it can see things all around them, almost 360 and that's how you are. That's how the lost is. They're so engulfed in everything. And as you become a servant of Jesus Christ, that you've been bought with a price and the yoke has been put on you and the blinders of the world have been put on you, the Lord has honed in and narrowed in on your vision that you may focus on Him and Him alone. The problem is, I can't believe what they said. Did you see that? I can't believe they did that. Did you see that? Did you see what that preacher, what they're trying to do over here at this church? Did you see that? No, I'm looking this way. Your problem is, is you're running the reins. 
the one sitting up there in the cart ain't holding the reins. You are. You're holding the reins and you've pulled the blinders off. You want to know what's going on? It's all about you. You'll never be a balanced, temperate Christian that way. You're unreasonable. Look at Hebrews chapter 12. Well, what are you honing in on? What are you looking at? What are you narrowing narrowing your sight upon? Wherefore, seeing Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus. You know why you wouldn't get so... Uh, man, i got to watch what I'm saying up here. I can't preach it like I was preaching in my head coming home from work the other day. you got to quit getting your feelings so hurt just because somebody said something. And you know what? I'm preaching to myself because that's my problem. Some of you are a lot tougher than that. You've gotten over yourself. It don't hurt your feelings when someone says something mean to you. Someone... Uh, says something cruel, someone gossips about you, somebody lies about you. You're not your own. You know what i got to tell myself? I look in the mirror, I'm coming home from work, and I'm mad about something somebody said at work, and I got to thinking about something the preacher preached on, or pastor, he says, uh, you're not above it. And I look at myself in that rearview mirror and says, Barney Bass, are you above that? Are you better than that? I just got to giggle to my giggle to myself. No, no I know I'm not. <laughs> Who do I think I am? Who do you think you are? Why are you so unreasonable with God? You hear what I'm saying? Man, it's quiet in here. Some of you are very unreasonable. You consider yourself. Consider your feelings. The pastor said something this morning. And I had been thinking on it, and I think it's a neat thing when the Lord works out a thought in your head and, and, and then uh, clarifies it by someone else saying it about the long race. We're not in a marathon. You don't know when your race is going to end. You know what you got to do? You got to keep looking on and quit looking out. You hear me? God is reasonable when it comes to temperance, He gives you a long leash of liberty. But everybody's leash of liberty is different. It's at different lengths because the Lord knows you. Lastly, God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. Look back in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 1 will be done here in just a little bit. Isaiah chapter 1. Look at verse 19 and 20. It says, If ye be willing and obedient, ye shall eat of the good of the land. The Lord speaking to you there? If ye be willing and obedient. Verse 20, there's a but. But if ye refuse and rebel, ye shall be devoured with the sword. But the mouth of the, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Judgment. 
Verse 18, come now, let us reason together. God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. Uh, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 says, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. There's judgment coming. You don't escape judgment. The Lord gives us warning of His judgment. It's not a surprising thing. You know, that's one thing I appreciate about the Lord. He's not going to surprise you with, us, with a cheap shot. The Lord has never given, given you a cheap shot. You hear me? The Lord tells you about the judgment to come. He warns you of your sin. He gives you a, a, a shows you an end of the outcome of your decision making. Most of you sitting here tonight know your sin, knows your issue with God, know your issues in the Christian life, and you understand what's the outcome of those issues. I don't have to sit here and say, well, you tell me what your problem is, and we'll discuss what the end result is. Most of you sitting here tonight know what the end result is going to be. It's going to be a mess. And you know the great judge, the righteous judge, sees those things. And will not the judge of all the earth do right? He will. The Lord gives warning of His judgment. It's not a surprising thing. You know what the Bible says? That a spiritual man judges all things. You better make some judgments in your life. You need to judge your sin. You need to judge yourself. Consider yourself. God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. You know what? Over in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, it says, God made man out of the dust of the earth and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living soul. Uh, man is made subject to God, right? God is not subject to man. And I think we get our reasonable, uh, reasoning all messed up because we often think as God as a product like this bottle of water, and I can take this bottle of water and I can partake of this bottle of water. And that's a refreshing bottle of water. And it's good to have this bottle of water. But when this bottle of water runs out, oftentimes Christian says, well, things aren't going good anymore. You know, the bills ain't paid. Things are tough right now. So it's a product that can be discarded. Well, I need to find a better product. You're dealing with a person. God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. I was talking to Brother James this morning in, in uh, Sunday school, and he was telling me about an assignment that was given to them as a class, as individuals sitting there. They, and, and, and it's kind of strange. I'll have to sit down and talk to him and get some specifics, but kind of what we just discussed in brief talking this morning, he said the instruction was to uh, create a God. And it was given... Now, this isn't something new. It was given to me when I was in school. I remember being in home, home economics. The teacher was saying, let's say they put you on a planet, your own planet. Tell us how you would have to set up an economy and, and a lifestyle for things to work there. And maybe that's what this assignment had to do with. But he said the question was asked, uh, create a God and uh, tell me what the superpower of this God would be. And James says the whole class was working on the assignment. And he says when they went around the whole class asking about their God, one kid said, oh, it would be like SpongeBob. And he will do this. And his superpower would be this. And it was comical and laughing. They were going on. And James was the only one that had this one response. He said, my God would be Jesus Christ. Amen. They said, what is his superpower? He said, the fact that he shed his blood on the cross for sinners. 
out of a class of however many in the middle of the country out here in Unionville, Missouri, one said his God would be Jesus Christ. God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. There's a great amen, but there's a great sigh with that too. It's kind of a response almost to a question when the young people of this community, their response is, who would my God be? It wouldn't be Jesus. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment. And you're going to face them. You're going to face a holy, righteous, pure God. Man has tried to make God that would be subject to man since the beginning of time. You know what? Lost man and lost men think they will escape it somehow by not being so bad. What are they? They're unreasonable. They're unreasonable. They will not escape the judgment of a righteous God. They can't. They can't. Do you realize it is reasonable for God to put a man in hell, but it is unreasonable for you to reject the payment to keep, that keeps you from going there? They think it's an unreasonable thing for you to go into a public place and pass out a track. It's an unreasonable thing for you to speak up at work and speak about the saving power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Almost unreasonable. No, it's unreasonable for them to reject it. And it's unreasonable for you not to proclaim it. God is reasonable when it comes to His judgment. God is reasonable when it comes to His righteousness. God is reasonable when it comes to temperance. God is reasonable when it comes to judgment. And that's just the thought I've had this week. Are you reasonable with God? Is God not reasonable? Are you unreasonable with the brethren? Are you unreasonable with the church? Well, if so, the Lord says, come, let us reason together. Can you fix it with him? Have you pointed something out, maybe here tonight, something in your life and your own being and say, Lord, I'm unreasonable in this spot in my life. What does the Lord say? The Lord says, come, let us reason together. God's not unreasonable. He's still willing to reason with you, and He knows what you are and who you are. That's an amazing thing to me. The Lord sees, y'all see Barney for who he presents himself. I present myself a certain way when I come to church, and y'all see how goofy I am in presenting myself. But the Lord sees me for who I am, and the Lord still says, Come, Barney, let us reason together. And He says, So do you. He's not unreasonable. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this evening. We thank you for allowing us to be here at church. I pray that you would bless your people and Lord, continue to bless your word as it works on the the hearers. Lord, I pray that you would help them in their week this week to consider reasoning with you, taking some time and talking with you, Lord. Lord, you're reasonable. Forgive us of our unreasonableness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.